Good morning, K2. How are you guys doing today? You excited to be here? Yeah, man. You guys got beautiful, good-looking faces, smiling faces out there. I love it. And if I don't see the faces, I at least see the smiling eyes. So very, very, very nice. Uh, my name is Derek Murphy. If you don't know me, I'm one of the, the pastors here, and I'm just glad that you're here this morning. Uh, one thing, I just want to reiterate what Rachel and John were saying. In this season, I, I know I've talked to a lot of people. You're doing one of two things, okay? With, with your relationship with God, you're either growing closer to Him or you're growing farther away. And what I know is because of the distance we've been experiencing personally, a lot of us are actually growing farther away from God. And there's a common denominator with those who are growing closer to God. It's, they, they actually have somebody to chase after. Yesterday, I experienced this on a run. I go out here on the Jordan River Parkway Trail every Saturday morning, go for a run. And yesterday, I, I did an out and back. And usually, I go out and I go faster when I go out than when I come back, okay? I slow down after I get out there. And yesterday, I, I realized there's like way more people out on the trail than usual. And it was, I, I realized after a while that I was in the middle of a race um, that I didn't, didn't know I was in. And this guy that's, I, I'd like to say he was 10 years older than me, but I'm thinking he might have been like 20 years older than me. But runners, they look younger, right? So I'm just going to say 10 years older than me passes me, right, on the way back. And so I'm like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. You know, so I'm like, I start going and going and going. And I'm trying to keep up with this guy, and it's killing me, man. And then, I like, he gets far enough ahead of me that I've kind of given up. And then another guy comes up on me. I'm like, who is this? I never get past on this trail. Like, another guy that's like you know, 10 years, let's say 10 years older than me, passes me. And I'm like, okay, and I stay up with that guy for a while. And then a third guy passes me. And I'm like, I, I keep up with him. And my, my time back was like much faster than my time there. And I, I, I'm going to say that those were first, second, and third place of whatever age category they're in. And I was just trying to keep up with them the whole time, right? But the, the, the truth is, is I had somebody to chase. I had somebody to chase. And it's, it's been hard to like stay in physical shape in this season because all my Spartan races, I usually do Spartan races, they got canceled. And, you know, and so it's like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Like, to, to, who are you chasing after? I'm usually chasing after somebody on the trail or buddies here at the church who are doing the race with me. I don't have anybody to chase after. And I just want to say, if you are trying to do your life by yourself, like, you're not going to grow. You're just not going to grow. We need each other. We need each other. So if you haven't yet signed up for a Life Together group, like pull out your phone right now. I'm not too shameless to make you like stop. Like pull it out right now. Text together to whatever number is right there and get on there. You're like, we want you to not do life together. This is a hard enough season to do it by yourself. It's impossible. We need to do life with one another. Okay. You guys with me? Are you hearing me? It's just not, it's just not, not an option if you're going to grow. Like if you're fine just losing steam in your faith, then, then don't do it with other people. But if you want to like take ground and grow and be strong in the Lord, like we got to do this together with one another. So we're heading in, we're in this, this series called Bless, right? It's been a great series. Who's really enjoyed this Bless series? It's been awesome. And you know, this, this word bless is begin with prayer, Listen with care, eat together, and today we're talking 
about serving with love. And the idea behind bless is that if we're going to share Jesus with the world around us, the best way to do that is to bless them. Now, many of us, we hope that our friends and neighbors will come to know Jesus, but this is this bless idea to be a blessing to all nations. This is not just hoping that they come to know Jesus, but we want to actually help them come to know Jesus. And so today we're talking about serving with love. And here's the deal is when you serve with love, people will see Jesus in you. The reason being is because when you're serving in that capacity, you are living proof of a loving God, right? You are living proof of loving God. And so serve with love because people will see Jesus. Now, here's one of the reasons why people see Jesus when we serve with love. And the first thing is this, when we serve with love, you feel love, right? Like how many of you hate it when somebody takes care of you and serves you? Like no, none of us do. We love that, right? It's like when somebody serves you, you feel loved. That's the truth. The, I, I think I can count. There's, there's a few times in my life where I could say this was the most loved I've ever felt. And one, there's one experience, which was a tragedy in my family. Uh, it was eight years ago. My aunt and uncle both tragically were killed in a car accident. And my family, I was, we were like in the middle of remodeling a house. Like, and my, my family was like homeless basically. And we were going to be moving in to that house in a week, but I had a lot of work to do. But now I'm, I'm faced with this decision. Do I like, do I leave my family, my wife and kids and, and leave them kind of like homeless while I go take care of my extended family and, and, and mourn with them this loss or do, like, what do I do? And the most loved feeling I think I've ever felt is when one of the other pastors at the church just put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Derek, you need to go and be with your family. We'll take care of your house. I I can't express to you how amazing it was to see the church in action because there was dozens of people in my house putting up trim and baseboards and things so that we, when we got back, could move right in and not be homeless. It was, it was an amazing feeling, an act of love to have the church surround me and come around me. So when we are served, we feel love. But I think it goes beyond that is that when we're served, we actually change. Like we are changed when we're served. And so I, I just want to encourage you in that. Like when, when you go out and you serve your friends and your neighbors, we've been talking about building this Frank list, right? You, th- this is the best chance that you have at helping them see God at work in their life because service like softens our hearts. I don't know about you, but my family, my parents, my youth pastor, when growing up, my, my mentors, throughout the years, they are the ones who have the most influence in my life because they're the ones who have showed me the most love over the years. I'm sure you can speak to the same experience. And this is exactly how God works as well. Uh, Romans chapter two, verse four says this, it's God's kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. It's God's kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. So it's even what God's act of service ultimately 
his service through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is what leads us to him. Like, I don't know if you've read through the Psalms, but over and over and over again, David is saying, your love endures forever. Like there's not one line that's more repeated in the whole Bible. Your love endures forever. And we see that happen through the work of Jesus, right? But it's hard It's really hard to trust that that's really what changes hearts. Are you with me? It's hard to trust that service is what actually changes hearts. Because I don't know about you, but you can can do a little test to see if you actually believe that by thinking of somebody in your mind that you really disagree with. How are you trying to change them? Right? We, we oftentimes, or at least for me, it's like I want to talk over them. <laughs> I want to convince them, right? I want to do a Facebook post that says something against what the, you know, it's like these are the methods in which we choose to go out and try to convince the world that God is alive. But that's not what we're told in scripture to do, right? Uh, I've just been, this isn't in your notes, but in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, there's this really great line about how Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. He's actually, he's actually taken two groups that hated each other and made them into one. And it says the way in which he did that was through the cross. So the method of Jesus, the method of Jesus has to match the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is the cross. And that's his method as well. The way in which the world is changed is by laying down your life. When we serve with love, people will see Jesus. That's the truth, right? But it's hard. It's really, really hard to believe because, I mean, and and we can all see it, right? This is the reason why we, we all try to continue to climb up the ladder within whatever job you're doing. We all think that, power and authority and control is really what changes the world. It's what makes things move. It's the grease that moves the wheel, right? That's what we think. And if you didn't think that, right, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be such a frenzy about the current election and everything that's going on. Everybody thinks that's going to be what changes the world. But here's, here's the deal, and this is good news. Whoever gets elected is not going to change you, right? They are not going to change your heart. They may make your behavior be conformed to a law they create or something like that, but it won't change your heart or change your mind, right? That's not the way we work as human beings. Jesus didn't come to conform the world. He came to transform the world. Like he wants to see actual transformation. And that does not happen through authority. That does not happen through convincing. That does not happen through conquering. That happens through serving somebody with love. That's what Jesus was all about. Are you guys with me still? I know it's hard to see all the faces. We got masks on and all that, but I just want to hear back from you. Thank you. Okay. If you're, if you're in the camp, 
that thinks, hey, it's, it's just better to have conformity. Let's just make everybody force them into the chute. You're not alone. Like we all seek after control. And in, in fact, Jesus's own disciples did this. Dave and I were talking this morning. He was reading this passage this morning. And he, the disciples, they, they come to him. After spending three years with him, this is at the end of his ministry, there's two disciples, two of his core, James and John. They come. Their mother brings them. This is kind of weird. But they come with their mom and they're like, hey, who's going to be at your right and your left hand? We want to be there. Like, put us in the position of prominence and importance. That's what we believe will change the world, right? Jesus says, hey, you don't know what you're asking here. And then all the other disciples, they find out about it and said they were indignant. I don't know. That, they're, 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 they're a little bit angry, right? They're, they're upset. Why? Because they wanted the positions of importance and prominence as well, right? So it's not just the two. It's all of them. I could say, probably say it's all of us, right? But then Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. And he says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles... Lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, Jesus is just describing how the world works, right? We have this world in which we, we all kind of know the, the, the pyramid, right? There's pyramid schemes, right, where you have as many people as you can get under you to serve you. And that's, you want to be the guy at the top. That's how all the world's governments have worked. It's like you've got power and control keeping everybody in alignment. And, and some of that's really good. I am really glad that there are laws that keep people from killing me. And they only follow them, not because their heart is good, but because they're afraid of getting consequences. I'm happy about that, right? I don't know about you, but that's not how Jesus sees changing somebody's hearts. And he said, instead of doing this, I want you to invert this. Like, try, try to figure out how you can serve as many people as possible instead of trying to figure out how you can get as many people under you to serve you. Like, this is, this is my way. And he says, it's the path to greatness. Like I said, it's also the path for life transformation. Now, those of you... You, there might be a, at least one, somebody out there that's like an, maybe a little bit of an antagonist right now. And that's all right. We're glad that you're here today. You might be saying, well, any cult leader would want you to think that, right? You get as many people together as possible and you say, be a servant. Because then they can be like at the top still and be preaching it, but everybody's really serving them still. And I just want to say, Jesus isn't like that at all. The story that I want to bring to you today out of the Bible is out of John chapter 13, where Jesus throws this whole thing on its head. And it says this, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, 
he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, let's just picture this, this, this meal, right? They're coming to the Passover meal. And I just want to give you a, an idea of the ancient world. So the ancient world, people are wearing sandals. People are wearing sometimes no shoes at all. And they're walking around and it's dusty and it's dirty. But not only that, in the ancient world, I don't know if you've, you've, you've read many history books, but there's not like big places. There's not underground to like put your waste. So there's people just throwing their waste, the sewage right out into the streets. And so this is what you're walking through. So you get into a house and your feet are just nasty, dirty, gross, right? But then on top of that, this is a culture that is shame-based and honor-based. So just, just get this. You're either moving up in the social hierarchy or you're moving down in the social hierarchy. So this is a, a key moment for the disciples. Uh, so just the, the, the interesting thing is that story about who's the greatest. In Matthew, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he goes into Jerusalem for the Passion Week, right before. It could have been one week before this next story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Just get that. It's, it's in the vicinity, at least. It's happening at the same time. So what is going to happen, right? Who's going to step up? and bend the knee, right? Who's going to be the first one? And we all know we could rank some of the disciples, what Judas is about to betray him. We could all say, maybe he's the worst, right? Or, or you could think of Thomas, the doubter, right? It's like we could put him down at the bottom too. Or maybe there's even some that we don't even hear about after this. Well, you got like Bartholomew and, you know, these Thaddeus. Like, who are these guys? Like, one of these guys for sure is going to be the one that's, that bends the knee and says, I'm the least, Now, what we see here is just a crazy, radical act where Jesus, the rabbi, Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, God in the flesh, right? Imagine this. He's the one that bends the knee and he says, okay, I'm going to serve you. That's, That's who I am. That is who I am. And that is my path to greatness. And this is how you see who I am. In fact, this is what he says. He did it not just flippantly. He did it to make a point. He made an example. He said in John 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and returned to to the place he was sitting. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher. You call me Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than he who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay, great, great teaching. Now I want to walk you through four qualities of service that we can actually learn from Jesus right here. And I'll tell you just off the start. Serving with love goes beyond the expected. Serving with love expects nothing in return. Serving with love blesses the one who serves. And serving with love is Jesus' path to greatness. Okay, so let's take these one at a time. The first one, serving with love 
goes beyond the expected, right? So some of you are out there, I'm going to pick on the dudes, okay? Some of you are out there going, man, I do not know why my wife keeps telling me she doesn't feel my love. Like I go to work every day. I even mow the lawn on Saturday. I make sure there's food on the table. Like, okay, just, just wait a second. Which one of those things would you not have to do if you were living by yourself? You, you would still have to do all that stuff, even if she was not in your life. How are you making her feel special and loved? It has to go beyond the daily grind, what she just typically would have to do, even if she wasn't in your life, right? Jesus does this when he washes his disciples' feet. He goes far beyond the expected. Nobody would have ever thought that the rabbi would be the one that would go down, right? And, and wash his feet, the feet of those disciples. Usually it's a slave that does that task. Usually it's the lowest of the slaves that does that task. It's a very shameful thing to do. You wouldn't expect that guy to go down and wash his disciples' feet, but that's what Jesus does. That's who he is. That's what he's all about. And here's the deal. I think when we go beyond the expected, there's two things I want you to consider. When you go beyond the expected, you might consider going toward the mess. That's oftentimes the best place in which you can serve. Like my neighbor, I talk, if you were at Murray Park a couple weeks ago, I was preaching there and I was talking about my neighbors who I've been trying to pray for. And we, we, weren't, we haven't eaten with them yet. We listened to them, but we did bring them a meal once. But I noticed one day he was trying to clear out his garage. They're about my parents' age. And I noticed that as you live longer, you collect more things. <laughs> and so their garage is just full of things. And they, they, they were getting new garage doors. And he's trying to move everything out, but they have bad backs. And so I'm like, okay, there's the mess. Like, let's literally, let's go and clean it out so they can get the new garage doors installed. But it might be emotional mess or anything else. Look and see where the pain points are in somebody's life and go there because that is where they're going to experience your love. You saw that and even in my story, when I lost a family member and the church came around me, they were moving into my mess and my hurt. And the other thing is this, is that if you're gonna serve with love and go beyond the unexpected or go beyond the expected, then you, you, wanna, you need to lay down your pride. Like there's so many ways in which we are missing out on ways to serve our neighbors and our friends because we think that whatever we're they're, they're, they need our help with is below us, right? It's, it's, it's less than what we should do. We kind of are used to raising up in the status of, of this world. And it's like, that's, that's below me. I don't do that anymore. I, don't, I wouldn't do that for myself. Why would I do it for somebody else? Well, when you serve with love, people see Jesus. So number one, serving with love goes beyond the expected. Number two, serving with love expects nothing in return. I don't know how many of you are fans of The Office, but I, I love one of these, this episode where Dwight Schrute, he shows up and, and he shows up in the morning with bagels one day. And he's like, he gives bagels to everybody. And as soon as he, they take the bagel, he says, you owe me. <laughs> You owe me. You know, he's like, he, he's trying to give it away, but he's giving it away so that he can get something back. Like he's got an ulterior motive and people can sniff out an ulterior motive 
really easily. You know, Jesus in Matthew 20, 28, the next verse, he says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is, Jesus just came without an ulterior motive. He just, he wanted to lay down his life so that people could experience his love, right? And the, the, he tells us the reason why he even not only just lays his life down on the cross, but the reason why he did, washed his disciples' feet, John 13.1 says this, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, what did he, he loved his own, he loved them to the end. Like the reason that he actually got down and washed his disciples' feet is because he loved them. Like that's why he did it. Like when, when we're trying to bless our neighbors and we're trying to bring them, help them, right? Actually know Jesus. Like they can sniff out if you're only helping them because you just want them to accept Jesus, right? Like it has to go beyond just being their, pro, you know, them being your project to them being a friend, like them being somebody that you actually care for and love. You can't fake care, right? That's why this, this, this is serve, not just serve, but serve with love. That's when people see Jesus, right? So when you serve with love, right? People, you, you serve beyond, you go beyond the expected and then you, you don't expect anything in return. And number three is this, serving in love blesses the one who serves, Serving in love blesses the one who serves. This is what it says in John 13, 17, the end of that verse that I read. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Um, I don't know if you've, you know what the word blessed means. It's not a word we use often, but blessed could literally be translated as happy. It just means that you got a gift. You were given a gift. And the cool thing is it's an unexpected gift. Like you thought you were going to lay down your life. And then... Somehow you felt blessed because of it. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like you got this really cool gift. So Jesus' recipe for happiness is service. Something that I loved when Alex Rahill came and started this whole series is he gave us this acronym JOY. He says, if you want to have joy in your life, if you want to have happiness in your life, you need to prioritize in this way. Joy, Jesus. The O, others. And the why? Yourself. Put Jesus first, put others next, put yourself last. If you do those things, you will be joyous. You'll be happy. And that's what Jesus says as well. We've got this culture here today that's about self-care. And I'm all about being healthy, right? But I think it's easy to make yourself the first priority. Like there's a fine line between self-care and just being selfish, right? It's, it's easy instead of putting Jesus and others ahead of you to make yourself your own God. So here's Jesus' recipe for self-care, by the way. This is just an aside. Sabbath, you guys got to rest, okay? The next thing you do, cast all your cares on him. <laughs> Give all your burdens to Jesus, and he says you'll be happy. There you go. There's your recipe for happiness, and then serve other people. That's what he says, right? Uh, Albert Schweitzer, he, was in, he was in the late, lived in the late 1800s. 
He was a humanitarian. He was a doctor. He was even a theologian. He said it this way. He, he had spent most of his money. He, he made a lot of money writing books and speaking and all these things. And he, he opened a hospital that would treat 500 people a day. And he said this, I don't know what your destiny will be. But one thing I do know, the one, the only ones among you that will be really happy are those who have sought and have found how to serve. That is Jesus' recipe for happiness. So this, when you serve with love, you're blessed. <laughs> that's, that's the key. And then number four is this, serving in love is not only Jesus' path to happiness, right? It's Jesus' path to greatness. Now, Matthew 20 uh, says this, Matthew 20, 26, whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, I know there's a lot of paths to greatness out there, but one that I, I know that many people try to take is leadership, right? We want to be leaders among many. <laughs> we want to have people under us. And, you know, there's, there's this really cool trend that's happening within leaders. I don't know if you know these names, but Jim Collins, Patrick Lencioni, John Maxwell, they've got a common definition for leadership. Jim Collins wrote Good to Great. He wrote about a level five leader. Go and read about a level five leader. That guy looks a lot like Jesus. He's humble. He's compassionate. He cares. He's driven on mission, but he's not trying to do it for himself. He's trying to do it to better the people around him and make the world better. Patrick Lencioni, The Motive, uh, is a new book that he put out last year. And he said that he can't wait for the day when leadership, the only, the only definition for leadership is servant leadership, right? There's, there's this sort of leadership where you got everybody under you and then there's this sort of leadership. And he's like, that is the only thing that is leadership, actually. John Maxwell, he wrote the, a lot of books, but Becoming a Person of Influence, I give that to everybody I know in my circle who is a leader. You know, he says the exact same thing. He's a believer. Um, I, I guess maybe all these guys are, I don't know for sure. But this is, this is what the, even the, the great, some of the best writers on leadership are saying now is that if you want to be great, you actually come under people and you serve them. That is Jesus' path for greatness. It's not how many people you have serving you, but how many people you can come under and empower and you can serve. It's an inverted pyramid scheme, Right? And there's a lot of people who think a lot about how they can get other people to serve them. And I just want to encourage you in this, in this regard, we need to start thinking a lot about how we can get under people and serve them. I was reading just this week in Philippians chapter one, verse nine. It's not in your notes. It says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Do you know that nothing that you do happens unless you thought about it first? Do you know that? He says, I pray that your love grows in knowledge and depth of insight, right? He, he's saying that love actually has to take root in your mind as a thought first before it can become an action and an emotion. And now you guys won't ever forget this. this is, one of my mentors, he, he did counseling for a lot of years, worked with a lot of couples who had, had experienced affairs. And when he talked about affairs, he said, it starts in the head before it gets to the bed. 
Okay. You won't forget this now, right? This is Charlie Couch. That's a Charlie Couch quote right there. So when it, when it comes to serving, it's got to start in the head first before it gets into your hands, right? So you got, you got to see it experienced here, and then it'll be experienced right here. And here's the last thing as we close. The last thing I want to do is just get you to go out and do one more thing, okay? Service is not about going out and checking off a box, right? This is not at all what Jesus says he's all about. He actually wants to create a mindset. So serving, like I can look around and I can say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do a service project, right? But Jesus says he wants you to become a slave to all. So what it, what it really looks like is I'm saying, I'm going to be a slave to Jesus and I'm just going to wait for him to give me opportunities to go out and bless the world around me, right? I'm going to, I'm going to let him lead me. Yesterday I was leaving the gas station and there was a guy and he was walking down the road. He had just left the gas station. He had two 24 packs of Coors Light in his, in his hands and he was waddling. He was like, he could barely walk. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a ride. So I pulled up and I'm like, Hey, you want to ride? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, oh, sure. And he jumped in and I drove him to his house. And it's like, okay, let's see. I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, no, but, (laughs) but you gotta be just willing to be a servant of all, right? That's what God wants. He doesn't want us to do more tasks. He wants us to keep our eyes open, our hearts open to what he can do in our lives. Because if we serve with love, people will see Jesus. That's the truth. Okay. Pro tips, real quick, as we close out. Three pro tips I have, okay? You need to make sure that you're inspired to action. Like I said, you're not gonna do anything you haven't ever thought of. So keep praying, keep praying, right? Because if you keep praying for your neighbors, if you keep listening to them, if you keep eating with them, they're gonna be on your mind and you're gonna be thinking about them. So that will lead to action, to service. Keep doing those things. But also, man, I... I just, my whole Life Together group just went through the book Love Does. And if you've never read the book Love Does, when it comes to service, that is an inspiring book. Bob Goff, grab the book, go read it. You will be inspired. It'll expand your mind about the ways in which you can serve people so they can see the heart of God. And now this, this, this is another pro tip. Number two, focus your attention, okay? It's easy to think, I'm just going to go out and serve everything. And I know I just said, keep your heart open to what God could do in anything. But here's the deal is that like, if you, if you're trying to serve everything, like everywhere, like then, then it's less effective. And that's why we asked you to write out your Frank list. Remember your friend, your relative, your acquaintance, your neighbor, your coworker, like we've got five names. We didn't ask you to write down 50 names. We asked you to write down five names, focus on those people first. Like keep praying for them. God will give you ways to focus your attention. Even my Life Together group. I've got my Frank list, but we've really just been focusing on my neighborhood. Like we've been going out and trying to serve just there. So I'm even focusing more narrowly on my neighbor, right? And, uh, and so it's all right to focus, right? And then the last thing is this, serve with your community. Serve with your community, this is another good reason why you should be in a Life Together group because if you're not in community, you can't serve with your community. Like it's, it's a really important thing because when you do big actions of love, like it, it makes an even bigger impact. And so when you take 
what you could do by yourself, but then you add it to what you and five other or 10 other people can do. It just multiplies to where you can make an even bigger splash in the pond. So there's a few pro tips for you guys today. So, hey, just a real quick recap. When we serve with love, people see Jesus, right? And that's because service, when you're served, you feel love. And when you're served, it changes hearts. God did not come to conform the world, but he wants to transform the world. He wants to renew this, na- he wants to renew this nation, this world, everybody around us. And we get to be a part of that. You guys excited? Can I pray for you? Hey, God, thank you so much for being with us today. Lord, thank you for showing up in this space. We're so happy that we can gather together. Lord, it's, it's fantastic. So God, I pray that you're with each and every person out there today, sitting on the lawn or that's sitting at home, watching this service or with a group of friends. God, I just pray that you'd bless each and every one who's trying to find out how they can best help others experience you, God. Come alongside them, give them great ideas, give them great thoughts and give them success as they go out and serve with love. Lord, we we love you. We thank you. We lift up this day to you in your name. Amen. So guys, just imagine a world if not only you did this, but every single one of us sitting on the lawn, watching online, we're out there serving with love. Can you imagine what would happen in this city? Can you imagine the things in which people would see the life that they'd experience, the ways in which they would see Jesus alive? Remember what I said, that when people serve with love, it's like living proof of a loving God. And don't we need to see that in this world that there is loving God that's alive and active, right? So, hey guys, go out today, enjoy each other, maybe spend a few minutes here actually hanging out. Like if you don't meet another person before you leave, then you failed, okay? Uh, If you're not part of a Life Together group yet, text TOGETHER to 94090. And remember, next week there are Baptism. So if you have not been baptized and you want to take that next step of faith and commit to Jesus for your whole rest of your life publicly in front of everybody else, we'd love for you to be a part of that. You can sign up for that as well. So, hey, have a great day, you guys. Enjoy it.